0: Hello, Mima.
1: Hello, Drama. How are you today?
0: I'm good. How are you? I could not be better if I tried. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. That's good energy to have in 2020 right now.
1: Well, you got to have it every day. Otherwise, you're on the other side of the grass. And this side is pretty good.
0: It is. It's very positive and light and sunny. It is. (laughs) Uh, Just for the listeners to kind of get an idea of what we're going to start doing now, at the beginning of the episodes, Mima and I are going to play just kind of a fun, quick icebreaker game where we each ask each other an icebreaker question. So that way we're not sitting here monologuing our life story to you guys every episode. And Mima and I get to learn a little bit more about each other every episode, which I think is super cool. Um, So do you want to start, Mima, with your question first? I would love to. Okay.
1: If you could invite somebody for dinner, who would you invite and why?
0: Alive or dead, or it doesn't matter. Alive or dead. Alive or dead. If I can invite somebody to dinner, alive or dead. Who would you invite and why? Honestly, it sounds really cheesy, but I would probably invite Meryl Streep just because she, her whole entire career, it started a lot later than she wanted it to, which I identify with. Everyone told her that she was too ugly. She was this, that, her nose. She had like a Jewish nose. They said she needed to get a nose job. She could never be on camera. She just had... Every worst kind of no imaginable, and then she's done the beautiful thing of aging with the roles that she plays, where she doesn't try and keep in what she wants to per- like portray herself as. She ages with the roles that she plays in just a very graceful, beautiful way. So I, I'd love to have dinner and talk with her about that.
1: What would you serve for dinner? Oh, Mima. Ha. Not that you'd uh-huh. have to cook it, but what would you... What would
0: if you I start? didn't have to cook it, I would mm-hmm. probably serve her Torchy's tacos with queso and like a margarita and keep it very Texas, very like low key, because I don't want to have a steak dinner and have a lot of pressure because I'm I'm just impressed Meryl Streep came to visit me. You I do not look thrilled. Oh, that
1: would be so cool, <laughs> and just gooey with chips and and queso and and yeah. just relax.
0: Mm-hmm. that's just who I am, and it would be like I want her advice. I want her perspective of what her career means to her because her career has influenced so many different people that I would I would love to know from her perspective what that means to her and how she views it. And so I don't want like a fancy. $800 dinner. Cause that's not really who I am as a person either.
1: Well, good job. Good choice. What's what your No, I um, want to know who you'd invite for dinner. Who? Well, the second part of the question is who would you think I would invite? for dinner? That's see. Now that's it. When you ask somebody a question, mm-hmm. you want to know what their perspective is. But a lot of times when you ask a question, you want to know what they think of you before you even answer. But that's a hard thing to do. But we're having a really deep discussion on this. So now I reversed it. Who do you think I would like to invite for dinner?
0: I There's so many people that come to mind, because I don't know if you would want to have dinner with one of the artists that you admire um, or if it'd be like princess Diane and you would want somebody from that caliber, there's just, there's so many routes that I could see you taking that it's really hard for me to figure out what lane you're thinking.
1: Well, you're close. You're really close. And that's a good perspective on what you think of someone else. Yeah. I would love to invite Queen Elizabeth. For dinner. Okay. Yep. Because. I've always thought in my mind, well, I don't want to have everybody do everything for me. I want to do it myself. But I would like to know why she has just become such an icon of a lady and so reserved and everything is calculated. Now, that's not me, but I. Jess would love to have her sit at my table and I would definitely serve tea and cookies.
0: I love it, Mima. Okay. I, I was thinking it was one of two lanes, because I also thought maybe you'd have Pollock over for dinner or Picasso. I don't know if oh, you absolutely. want to look at Van Gogh with one I mean, ear. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a whole dinner yeah. party.
1: No, Van Gogh's a little,
0: a little. He would be I good company. Yeah, I don't
1: people, think. You know, not, not a good vibe for me, but like what he thinks. Exactly. Like
0: he thinks. Okay. So my question, Mima, okay. is what two things do you consider yourself to be very good at?
1: <laughs> Listening would be the first thing that comes to mind because I want to hear what you say and understand who says it. Mm. And the best thing that I'm good at is the best role I've ever had. And that's being a mother and a grandmother. And I pride myself in that. It gives I me can't. great, in Yiddish, it's called kvel, where you, the inside of you just comes to the outside, and it, oh, my greatest pleasure. I hope that those are the two things that I'm remembered for. How about Understood. you?
0: Well, well, we'll flip the question. What do you, do you think the two best things I would consider myself to be very good at?
1: Your contribution to the theater arts, and your contribution to your soul of being a woman with a mind of her own. Didn't take long to answer that.
0: I don't know if that's what I would have. I, I do pride myself on both of those things. When I originally read the question, I think the first thing that came to mind was storytelling, my ability of storytelling, which would go hand in hand with the performing arts. Um, I I just find beauty in storytelling, be it my own stories or the stories of people who wouldn't otherwise have their stories told, which is why I fell in love with acting and theater. Um And then the second thing that I believe that I'm extremely good at is empathizing. Um, And I guess that goes hand in hand with really knowing who I am as a person and where my soul lives and my emotions live. And so when someone else is going through something, I feel that I'm very good at being extremely empathetic and recognizing where their emotions live and how it connects to me and how we can kind of help one another.
1: Interesting, because I said listening. And use it, empathize.
0: We're We're a dream team, Mima. We got it covered, babe. (laughs) Well, it's a good thing that we are a dream team because we have a couple questions that were submitted that I'm so excited to hear your advice on. And we're going to start. With the questions from someone that you know very, very well and that you love dearly. And it's our sweet Isabel, who's 13,
1: from New York City. I can't imagine how much she's grown.
0: She's so tall and just gorgeous and she has a true mind of her own. She submitted these questions and I was just like, how is this coming from a 13 year old? She's just, I can't wait to see what that little girl does in the world. It's going to be incredible. Right. So her first question was, how quickly did you feel your first love and was it something immediate or did it take time? (laughs) <laughs> I'm telling you these questions. Wow.
1: Well, I don't know whether it applies to my first love as a relationship or my first love of something to eat, which would have had to be been a Hershey bar. Because <laughs> we'll, we'll, you know I'm a chocoholic. Oh, um, yes. But we'll take the first love. I think it came... As a teenager at a dance, a young man asked me to dance, and I thought he was handsome and cute and charming, and I thought the world had come to an end because I was dancing with him. Did it amount to anything? No. Did we ever go out? No. But I guess it was. At a dance, I had to be 15. And he was so handsome and charming, and he was taller than me.
0: Huge deal. Big deal. Big
1: deal. Mm-hmm. But well, I think I was probably a junior in high school, and he asked me to dance. <sighs> be still my heart, and I. Just couldn't believe he asked me. And I thought the world had come to an end. I might have been Cinderella. But after the party was over, it was just a dance. That's a good thing. But that's a great question, Isabel. I was 13 years old. I know well, but the thing that's important about that is when you're in your teenage years, I believe, and remember, when you ask someone for advice, you're only getting their opinion on experiences they've had. Am I right? Wrong? I don't know. But if you're directly in my family, if I speak and I give you advice, it's best that you listen.
0: And if you don't listen, she will repeat it until you hear it. Until you go. So
1: having said
0: that, you
1: know, Isabella, good question.
0: She also sent um, something that I am super interested to hear. If you have a motto, what is the motto that you live by?
1: I think it comes from the Bible. And I think it's true. I do unto others as others do unto me. I want everybody to be as happy as I am. I want everybody to understand that life is really good and you have every opportunity to do and be special. Take it and just shake it until you get it. Um, I don't I don't know that I there is a motto that I can think of right off the bat. Um if you, if you say you're gonna do something, then by God do it. Yeah. And I expect you to do that. And I think If you tell me you're going to do something, then I expect you to do it. If I tell you I'm going to do it, you can put it in your bank account. So uh, my motto would be to make sure that what you say is valid. And you will back it up. Otherwise, don't say it. Words can hurt too.
0: And you're only as good as your word. That's right.
1: That's right. You're only as good as your word. And I truly believe that.
0: Yeah. Okay, last one from Isabel. Um,
1: Isabel, you're so smart.
0: I know. And I'm actually... I asked my parents her questions cause I got her message and I was blown away by my sweet little 13 year old. And so my parents and I differ on this opinion. And so I'm excited to hear what your opinion is of, would you tell a young person to focus more on their academics or their relationship and friendships? I'm pouring tea. <laughs> Mimo's about to serve the tea. I have a feeling foreign tea okay <laughs> out of a beautiful china tea. one too uh, yes um,
1: I think it's both of them. There isn't one over the other. I don't believe you can have the Complete relationships without the knowledge that the academics give you. Mm -hmm. What you do with your academics is up to you. What you do with your relationships are up to you. I don't choose one over the other. Hmm. I think they go hand in hand. I could not separate the two of them because what I learned in school brought me to the person that I am. The relationship that I've had have given me purpose and confidence in my ability to rely on what I know to move forward. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to marinate on that for a little bit. My parents, my mom's always been under the belief of, and she said this to me, the, the two things that no one can take away from you in life, no matter what you go through, is your integrity, so your word, and your education. And that was why it was very important for her um, and for my brother and I to go to higher education, pursuing whatever it is that we wanted. It was never a judgment of what we pursued. It was a matter that we pursued that because no one can take that education away from you, which I completely agree with. But looking back, being 13, I don't remember what I learned in geometry class. I remember the friendships that I had and the friendship bracelets. Cause that was a huge thing during like my, where the bracelets was, were shaped like an animal. And so you would match colors and switch them around like that stuff. I remember and that make me go back to 13 year old Krisny, not necessarily the history lessons or the ge- like geometry lessons which is why I think what you're saying it's a it's a mixture because I do have that information maybe not the math part but I have the information in the back of my head but it's just not it's it didn't really shape my perspective when I was 13 Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's from our little Isabel. I
1: What a challenge. blown away.
0: blown away. Yeah. And then we got a couple questions in that were mainly focused on marriage and your relationship with Papa. And I am just a huge advocate for you and Papa. I love y'all's marriage. I love how you guys work with each other, how you're still sassy and individual as a human, but also as a unit. Like I just think it's a really great example of a beautiful marriage, but also beautiful individualism as people. And a lot of people had questions about that. And one of the first ones is from Elena. She's 24. She's from Italy. And she just celebrated her second wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. And so she was asking, how do you keep your own independent person after being with someone for so long? Dude,
1: that's not even a question. You are who you are. I mean... You got married because he knew who you were and you knew who he was. I'm not going to be him and he doesn't want to be me. So you have to be, I had to be sure he accepted me for who I was to begin with. Therefore, there's no question. I I love the question, but to me. I'm not going to mold myself into some Barbie doll. That's not me. Well, it was when I was younger, but
0: hey. She had my dad with like two things of lashes on. She's like full model, head to toe, twiggy looking, holding a little baby. So you were like a little Barbie doll for a while. I was. I mean,
1: literally. And I mean, he never saw me without false eyelashes for four years. So it... (laughs) That's a whole other story. But you just are who you are. And then in time, the acceptance of each other becomes a mesh. Never give up who you are is the answer to the question. Because that's what he fell in love with. And that's what I fell in love with in him. I knew him. And he did not change. He is the same person.
0: Yes, he is. A
1: little wiser, a little older, but he's still the most handsome, wonderful partner, friend, husband, father, grandfather in the whole world.
0: You're going to make me cry. That's a
1: good question a good question. And we, you know, it, it, life is not a bowl of cherries. <laughs> it's a bowl of strawberries with chocolate poured on top of it, if that's what you want. Oh,
0: my and God. Yes. You're addicted to chocolate. If anyone wants to thank Mima for her advice, you can send her Hershey chocolate. That will be the payment. That'll be just fine. That'll be just fine. Thank you. (laughs) Um, We have another question. Um, two different ones. So one a little lighter, but the other one then is related to marriage. So I'll ask the lighter one first to kind of break it up. Also, I'm so excited to know what this is. Um, So this is from Christine. She's 26 in New York City. And she wants Mm -hmm. to know what the best pickup line is that has ever been used on you. (laughs) Because I can think off the top of my head the worst pickup lines that have ever been used on me, but well, I know
1: the worst. Mm-hmm. But I've never been picked up.
0: What does that mean, Mima?
1: I've never had anybody use a line on me in my life. Okay. So I can't answer that question.
0: Interesting. I've
1: seen all the typical single bar things that happen and conversations with you and our other grandchildren on going out and he tried to pick me up and he said this and it was so stupid I I've in my day of dating that didn't happen you met hello my name is Irene Hersherin and what is your name and and where do you go to school and what do you do? And boom, boom, boom. And I think it wasn't a line. I think it was a, there is a physical attraction first.
0: There was That's no witty it. trying to like open
1: the um, conversation. No, no. No. I, I don't, I don't have an answer for her. Cause I I've never been picked pill. up. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe somebody should try and then I could find out what my answer would be. <laughs> All
0: right. I'm going to post Mima's Instagram that she doesn't really use, and you guys can slide into her DMs with your best pickup line.
1: I don't know. I've never been picked up. Um, oh, I do know one. of the best pickup line. That would have been. I have been hit on, but I've never been picked up.
0: I mean, okay. So what, what is the like worst hit on experience you've ever had then? Oh,
1: that, the, I was working in the insurance business. I was training a new salesman and we were talking about the different policies and he, uh, Papa, I've been married most, almost 50 years. Okay. So it's, no. so he's sitting next to me right here and he puts his hand on my knee. And I thought, maybe he just bumped my knee. And then he, I felt his hand on my knee. And I said, move your hand. <laughs> and he did. So we go on with the instruction. I didn't think anything of it. And he puts it back. And I said, did you seriously just put your hand on my knee again? I mean, we're sitting right next to each other. He said, yes, I did. I said, here's what's going to happen. Stand up. You're leaving now. I went to the front, got my boss. I said, the guy's name, my boss was Town. And his first name was Town. I said, Town, you don't want this man as a salesman. He just tried to touch my knee. (laughs) Town looked at him and said, come with me, Bucko, and opened the door to the office and said, you're out of here. Good. So that was the worst thing because I was responsible for somebody losing their life, their job, because they were stupid.
0: No, that's that's his own fault. And I'm honestly surprised he still has a hand. (laughs) I mean, I thought, that can't be. No. You you don't want to do that. You couldn't do that. You don't want to do that. Oh my gosh! Well, I can't tell you it's gotten any better, Mima. Guys are well, still doing stupid stuff.
1: Yeah, you know they really do. And um, in the day when I traveled for Revlon and traveled for a cosmetic company, I would <clears throat> check into a hotel and um, take have the bellman take my bags up to the room. And typically, if it was late, I'd order dinner. Well, this particular time, I was uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, we're going to do a huge promotion for Revlon. There were about eight of us with Revlon in the city and we were all staying at the same hotel. I think probably four or five gals and three guys. And, you know, we were all going to meet and go have dinner. So I get to the room and the minute I walk in the room, the phone rings. And the voice on the end of the line says, um, hi. I said, hi, he said, let's have dinner. I said, sure. What time are we going to have dinner? And he said, eight. And I said, I don't recognize this voice. Who is this gave me a name? I said, I don't know you. He said, well, didn't you just check in at the hotel? I said, yes. He said, well, I saw you in the lobby and thought I'd invite you to dinner. I said, oh, well, that's terrific. How did you get my room number?
0: This is a random stranger in the lobby. A random
1: stranger who saw me in the lobby, went up to the desk and got my room number. And they gave it to him? Well, this was way back in the 60s. Okay. So I I said, well, no, we're not having dinner. That's not happening. No, I don't know you. Never mind. Just don't call. Do not call. I didn't unpack my bag. I took my bag and without rollers, then you had to schlep them.
0: Period.
1: So there were no rolled bags then. So get down to the lobby and I said to the gal at the desk, I said, I just checked in and somebody just called me, did you give him my name and room number? She said, I did. I said, good, let me speak to the manager. Now. She said, well, I there's no uh, uh-uh about that i told the manager what i did and i said here's what's going to happen i'm going to make six other phone calls because the rest of the revlon team is not staying in this hotel either i don't feel safe here that was the decision i made for myself in the 60s so i valued me more than anything else
0: then Did you hear Papa? Papa's him? making a guest appearance. Come over here,
1: Papa. Yeah, he can't. He's busy. He said, no, you married me. That was your decision.
0: <laughs> oh, well, and that, that was the second question from Christine was, why did you decide to get married and how did you come to that decision? Dude, She's looking
1: straight at Papa. <laughs> I'm looking right at you. you want to answer that question? Because she threatened me. Because I threatened you with what? Your life if you didn't marry me? Yeah. Papa, you know that's not true. I love you. Do you hear me? Because what he loved say? me. Because he loved me. Well, we decided to get married. We were sitting on a curb.
0: I don't know this story.
1: We had dated for um, about a year. Was it about a year? A little less than a year we had dated. And he looked at me and he said, I guess we really should get married. And I said, I think you have a good idea. And we looked at each other as if that's the way it was supposed to be. And it was. So... The next month, we got married.
0: Did you go to the courthouse or
1: No, we hired, um, what do you call the um,
0: justice a
1: justice of the peace? The oh, yes, I will. Mama um, we to- <laughs> is he
0: helping this story from the living room.
1: <laughs> he, said, oh he said, tell him about the rabbi, and I will. Okay. <laughs> what did he say? Care- Careful he's gonna charge for the advice. Okay. So uh we hired a Justice of the Peace and we got married in Aunt Nomi and Uncle
0: Mo's house. Okay. And for the mm-hmm. listeners, those that's your sister. That's and
1: her my husband. sister and, and my deceased brother in law. And we got married in their house. And my two stepchildren were the bridesmaids and my niece. And they all three wore the same dress and they hated us for the rest of their lives because it was the ugliest little pinafore dress you ever saw in your life. Um, But you've seen the picture here at the house on the bulletin board when Papa and I got married. Um, So anyway, I'm Jewish. Papa is not. And so we wanted to go to the rabbi to be married because we decided beforehand that it was important for children to have a religious background of some sort. And he agreed that, you know, Judaism sounded really good. There was nothing offensive about it. We'd been to the synagogue and been to services. He liked the fact that we always sat down and ate these fabulous foods. And so, I mean, who
0: could avoid matzah ball soup and a little
1: brisket and some potatoes? I mean, it's- Mima
0: calls it her Jewish penicillin.
1: My Jewish penicillin. And so we decided we would uh, continue with Judaism after we married, should we be fortunate enough to have children. So we went to the rabbi, and the rabbi at that time in the early 70s was not marrying mixed religious marriages. Oh, my gosh. it wasn't happening. He was not going to do it. So we had to get a justice and peace. Then what did the rabbi do? Uh, yes. Well, Papa says. And then, what did the rabbi do? What did so, the rabbi do, Papa? What off? did the rabbi do? <laughs> so, the rabbi daughter married a non-Jew, and he married him. That's correct. Pissed real off. <laughs> I love it. Pissed it pissed Papa off. It pissed him off because we were married in seventy-three. In seventy-four, our son Jeff was born. And I taught Sunday school. And so I just, because I wanted to at the synagogue. Shortly thereafter, the rabbi's daughter married a gal that was not Jewish. And he performed the ceremony. So what do you think I did?
0: You walked I right up to him and said, you're marrying went into yep.
1: his office, And I said, you changed your tune. That's called hypocritical. And I don't like it. Just for the record. So, oh my they gosh, that's something. But that was a good decision on our part.
0: I, I appreciate this decision that you two have made to get married. You
1: know, we really, really are excited we made that decision. But right before we got married, we went to a fortune teller. Okay. And it's somebody that read your hand and read your fortune told you about the future and i don't know whether in yiddish that was a bubba misa, a fairy tale or not and so we called her on the phone we did not tell her our full names just our first names our date of birth and we had to look on our birth certificates for the time of birth
0: mm-hmm. so for your star chart and stuff right Yidd-
1: Yes. So when we got to her place, she had made a recording, which we still have. And she talked to us for 30 minutes and told us exactly about our personalities. Exactly. And then she played the recording. We sat there with our mouths on the floor because she was correct. She said we had known each other in another life. And life for us was going to be comfortable with each other because we understood each other. She said it'll take time for both of you to understand the way you work and the way you operate and how you feel and what you really think, because you can't learn that in two years for your first question from the gal it takes years of understanding and you never know how you're going to react to a situation until it happens um so we still have that recording you'll have to hear it sometime
0: i would love to listen to that my mom had a massage um right i think i was two maybe, like one and a half, two years old. And um, my mom was getting a massage. And the woman goes, I can tell you your future if you'd like. And my mom was like, "Um, okay, sure. Which is so not in my mom's personality at all. And um, I'm maybe butchering some of the facts of this story, but this is how I remember it uh, from her telling me. But she's getting a massage and the woman looks at her and goes, you have a daughter, don't you? And my mom had not said anything about me. And my mom looks at her and she goes, yeah, I, I do. And she goes, you and your daughter were mother and daughter in a past life and you both lost your lives too short. So you've been given this second opportunity to be mother and daughter again, and that is why your daughter will become your best friend. I was like two, and now to this day, my mom is my best friend. And there's like some kind of unspoken connection between the two of us that I think – Not realistically, but I do. I chalk it up to the fact that I think we were mother and daughter in a past life and experienced something super traumatic that caused both of us to lose our lives really young. And so now we've been given this second opportunity. And I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I believe it all, but I can believe it. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Last question that we have. Okay. This one is from Olivia. She's 24 in Ohio. Oh, is this and Olivia? I know. Yes, yeah. Liv. Yes. Yeah.
1: Hi, Olivia.
0: <laughs> it's weird calling her Olivia. I call her Live Olive. You know. Um. But she wants to know what was the most significant moment of being a woman that you've ever experienced.
1: going to be a typical woman answer childbirth. Absolutely. Being able to give life to another human being. And to watch that human being become An incredibly compassionate, generous, kind person. And knowing that I was part of that. The best moment of my life.
0: Jeff's pretty okay. You you, you did good with that one. Yeah, my dad's pretty cool.
1: Yes,
0: he is. Well, those are all the questions that we have submitted so far. So we'll have more questions for next week. uh, Next week's episode. Um, But do you have any advice or Mima isms that you would like our listeners to leave with today? Yeah,
1: I really do. I, I, you know, I thought about that, Um, and I decided that. you know, I had a lot of things on my mind this morning, and I know that it's important to um, take the two house guests that we all have right now that are smelling rotten, which is anxiety and stress, and telling them to go jump in the lake. Um, So I decided that, and as you know, Our most favorite thing is to have dinner with the family, to see our family, and to talk. And so I'm having a cup of tea and a cup of I
0: have my iced coffee.
1: And so I'm making my day better because I choose to.
0: Cheers. Well, I love you, Mima. Thank you for sharing your advice. With the world.
1: Oh, it's just my opinion. (laughs) And they asked for it.
0: And you know what happens when you ask for Mima's opinion? Well,
1: you haven't hit anything that might be offensive yet, but you could get there.
0: (laughs) We're only two (laughs) episodes in, so let's see how this goes. Okay. And if you guys have any questions, uh, we will, as time goes on, once we start posting these episodes, uh, we'll have a place where you can reach out and submit your own questions. And again, we are doing this to share the Mima advice with the world, but she does take Hershey's chocolate as payment. Uh, So we'll set up like a P.O. box just for your chocolate payments, (laughs) Mima. Well, I love you, and I'm going to have a much better week knowing all of this advice and telling my Rotten House guests to go jump in the lake.
1: Exactly. It's called anxiety and stress. Just mm-hmm. slide off your back, just like a duck has preen on its back. And it's water off the, duck's feathers. Back. the feathers from ruffling and the duck is always shaking his head. So just shake your head knock your feathers back into place, and just stroll down the river. Have a great day. I love you. I love you too. Bye.